Hello and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we ran in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, Sean Story talks about finding limits, with the current exploration being the 100-mile distance at the 2015 and 2016 Winter Beast of Burden races. Sean shares his experiences finding his body's limits, but as a founder of Trails Rock, helping run Rochester's premier trail running organization, you know, Trails Rock, just said that, while living a full family life, uh, working the 9-to-5-er, that's a little bit more than a 9-to-5-er, and training for 100 miles, he is also finding the limits of just how much a life can hold. During all of that, Sean manages to keep a level head, a pleasant disposition, and uh, regularly provides a refreshing, unique perspective on most situations. So, uh, editor's note here. As frequent listeners know, uh, we record wherever we can. As a result, we get to enjoy the ambiance of uh, various locations. So, in this episode, you may hear a minor echo. Uh... This is because the Story family has some amazing hardwood floors through their place. So, yeah, they don't live in a recording studio. Go figure. Uh, you know, very few of us do, I guess. Editor's note number two, um, P.P.S., I guess. Uh, Sean is a longtime listener, as, as long as the podcast has been around, and uh, once fell asleep listening to Running Inside Out. He subsequently called me the narrator of his nightmares. It just might be my favorite nickname ever. And uh, with that, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of Rochester runners. So um, what is it that uh, that gets you running? What, you know, how did, how did you decide that running was a thing for you? Uh, I think for me in high school, I was, I played everything, all sports, you know, it was hockey, soccer, tennis. Um, and I think one year I, you know, a lot of friends were doing track. So I said, let's do track. So I did track and track was cool. And the next year I, I did indoor track too. That was cool. And then my senior year, you know, a bunch of guys were like, uh, you know, come out and don't play soccer, come out and run. And I was like, yeah, all right, cool. I'll run. You know, running was always something I made fun of other people for, but <laughs> you know, senior year, they're like, come run. All right, cool. So I ran cross country and was fairly successful. And, um, you know, as I moved into track and was looking at colleges, had some college coaches semi-interested in me going to run there. So Ithaca, St. Lawrence, Geneseo, ended up choosing Geneseo to run for Coach Woods, who is a pretty awesome guy. Uh, so that was cool. Went to Geneseo, ran my freshman year cross country, uh, got hurt, hurt my knee, ran exactly one college cross country race. And Ever? That, that was it. That was my career of running in, wow. in college. So uh, it was funny, all the dreams and aspirations you have going into college, you know, being this collegiate runner for four years disappeared within you know a few months of me starting my college career so. and but you run now so it obviously wasn't this you know crushing like debilitating injury but it wasn't it made you not competitive for a while yeah or? it was funny so I mean it was a knee injury it was uh, it was falling off honestly we were running like uh cow pastures um with the cross-country team and I was jumping over one and 
kid caught my back ankle and went down in my knee in gravel and you know cut it all up didn't think much of it ran three miles back to campus went and saw the doctors they're like oh yeah it's just scrapes and stuff cleaned it up uh, but it ended up being like damage to my tendons and things like that that kind of went undiagnosed so I kept running ran that first meet and my knee was swollen up to like the size of a balloon and uh, so it kind of knocked me out for a couple months and the time spent away from running. I hadn't been away from running in a long time. You know, I was running hundred mile weeks and stuff. It was crazy. I was devoting all this time to running. And when I had time away and got to hang with friends and got to do like the actual college thing, it felt like a lot more fun. So it wasn't necessarily the injury that took me away. It was uh, being away that took me away. Right. You know? Yeah. You were gone and you got to see the rest of life. Yeah. Right. So in, in high school, then if you're being recruited by some colleges in high school, you were pretty successful. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you only ran like one or two years. So yeah. you sort of had this, like, you know, I guess as much as it could be like this meteoric rise, right? Like yeah, oh, I'm was... playing soccer and all these other things dabbling and suddenly like, Oh, I can run really well. I don't know. For me, it, if I want to succeed at a sport, I just did it. I did mm-hmm. it a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, for hockey, for soccer, stuff like that, they were fun. I did them a lot. And the more I did them, the more I understood the sport, the better I became. So it wasn't a surprise to me to mm-hmm. be successful running. And I, that's not yep. meant to be a brag. It just, yeah, this is the first time I've ever thought about it from that perspective. <laughs> I just, um, it didn't feel like a meteoric rise. It just felt like if I put the work in, then I'll right. be successful. And, and I was, and I had successful teammates you know, we had a really good group of runners and I guess it just felt like, uh, I don't know, we were going to be successful because we trained hard and we, you know, we worked right. hard and we had fun with it. So, yeah. And then, so then you, you don't necessarily have that on your college team cause you just went through like the summer training and then yeah. you're away and you meet new friends at college. Yeah. Did you start like recreationally running in college or were you just living the college life no, and man, took a break? <laughs> Once I got hurt, I was, I was done, man. Running kind of fell apart for me so I I didn't go back to running for 10 years yeah I know that story (laughs) (laughs) yeah man so that was it uh you know once I was done in college it running was always there like I'd go out for two months and run three miles or two and a half miles you know for three months you know three days a week or something like that and be like yeah I'm gonna get back into running again and then just not and then right. not run again for eight months or ten months and it kind of went that way for ten years after college so. yeah that I know that story fairly well so what what was the trigger to to jump back in um I think it was just discovering longer races and discovering trail running mm-hmm. were really the two big things so um yeah I don't know few years ago started running a little bit more and I think we were at like a family dinner and my wife was like you should run a half marathon I was like yeah I should run a half marathon that'd be cool you know and the Mm -hmm. longest I had ever done is like you know 10ks and stuff but um so I think by the end of that dinner I was signed up for the Rochester half marathon I was like like there there you go oh crap that's two weeks away and (laughs) I you know I I haven't run more than five miles ever you know really since since college so um you know, I did some long runs and then I went and I did a one an hour and 40 minutes at the Rochester half marathon. And I was like, Oh, that was cool. (laughs) That was fun. So, uh, so that got me hooked a little bit and I started running at Black Creek park a lot on the trails and, and the trails were really cool because there it was, 
you know, I didn't care what time I was running. I didn't care what was happening. I was just having fun on trail. So I started looking for trail races at that point. Yeah. So you start looking around for trail races. You're still sort of running by yourself at that point. Yeah, right? definitely. I had, yeah, it wasn't even, <laughs> there was, I had no community that I ran right. with at all, you know? So I, I knew that things existed like, you know, the fleet feet groups and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, running was a solo exercise. Yeah. It was a release. It was a relaxing thing for me. And that's really all it was. At that yeah. Point. That's sort of how it, when it started for me out, you know, out here on the West side, like to make the drive into the city. I mean, we talk about how it's not far, but to make the drive into the city to go run, it's like, well, I could just run right here, yeah. you know, and cut a 45 minutes to an hour out of the whole process. Yeah. So was, I would just run. Yeah, that was it for me, too. Yeah. And, you know, like Black Creek was on the way to work or on the way home from work, you know. So yeah. I was like, ah, stop there and, mm-hmm. you know, knock out three miles on the trails. and <laughs> that's, Yeah, three miles. So <laughs> that's about what you can do at Black Creek. Yeah, well, yeah. When, you, when you're first learning it. Oh, definitely. I right. feel like now that I know it a little bit better, I can get five and a half out of there yeah. with without without repeating yeah we can get we we, we can teach you even some more we got more stuff out there yeah i know creative, there, so. there's some twists and turns in there <laughs> i always like some when i first started going to black creek i would i would accidentally end up in the uh the like the lord of the rings woods oh yeah with the bench yeah right and you got the bench and then you got the sun and it's kind of like dark and murky oh in there. yeah I, I never used to know how to get to that place. Yeah, that little pine tree section. Yeah. That's, everybody knows that section. Yeah, it's, but it's I awesome. would I would be like, oh, I'm here. Great. <laughs> right. yeah. How do I get here? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny because that, that park has uh, some weird like Bermuda Triangle things going on in it because you hear once a year, every year, somebody gets lost in Black Creek. Yeah. Ends up, <laughs> ends up like two counties away. <laughs> there was... um. There's another um, little stretch in there where there was always like barbed wire and broken bottles, yeah, and yeah. and like that one I always passed. I could I'm going. I don't want to run past the broken. Oh, there they are. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> How did it happen? Yeah. And um, whenever I tell people if they want to practice like trail loops, there's the section right off of um, you go yellow, and there's like a one mile uh, uh, yeah. square, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You can just keep doing that loop, oh, or yeah. like half mile. I'm like, this is where we do repeats out here in Black Creek. Yeah, you know? there's not a ton of elevation, but you can still you no. can still have some fun. And let's face it, you can hit that you can get a workout on that sledding hill. Oh yeah, man. I, I definitely mean. do the sledding hill loops <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I really you know, I don't know, I like Black Creek a lot. I'm I'm happy that there's other people that like it. Well for me, so that was that was my you know, Black Creek was my introduction to trail running. You know, and it's funny because my dad grew up in Churchville, Chile area, you know, and he'd been going to Black Creek since he was a kid, you know, and they would cross country ski and stuff there. So it was cool as I started running more, you know, I would talk about going out to Black Creek all the time. And I think it brought back a lot of memories for him being a kid and getting out there and stuff. And so as I started my running, he started running again and well, I can't say again, he had never run before in his life. You know, he's 50, you know, mid in his mid fifties and starting to run for the first time ever. Yeah. And so as I'm developing or redeveloping a love for trails and running, my dad is discovering it for the first mm-hmm. time. And, and, and finding out that he can build his own trails too. <laughs> well, yeah, that came a little later, yeah. but yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. So, um, Getting to that, you start. You ran half marathons, but then you're you're like running trails, kind of recreationally, right? So okay, yeah. So I run the half marathon, and then of course, what's the next thing, right? You go, yeah. I I can run a marathon. Just do course. it again, twice, right? 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 Yeah. So, uh, 
I don't know, being me, I go, what looks cool? And I go, oh, the Sega Honda thing, right? Yeah. And I don't know, they'd run it maybe two years uh, mm-hmm. at the time, two, three years it had been run. And uh, the the results, the race looked crazy. Um, but it was a marathon and it was all on trails and that seemed pretty cool. So I was like, I'm going to do that thing, that, that Sega Honda. And people complained about how hard and miserable and awful it was. So that sounds like a lot of fun. So that, that was kind of my, that became my target. So I'd run like once a week on trails and then I'd do, you know, my long runs would be, you know, a half marathon or something on roads. 90% of my training for my first Sega Honda, my first real trail race was on roads and I did no elevation training. Um, so, that so, was, you had, so you had a bad time at Sega Honda. Huh? Okay, so I had a really awesome first 13 miles uh, <laughs> or 12, 12 and a half, whatever that one you know section out to that first aid station is. I got there and it was like I was like a 148 or something to the you know half marathon mark. Wow. Uh, I ran a 438 or something that year. Yeah, so so, you, so you the could, wheels kind of came yeah, off. Yeah, you could see what happened in the back half yeah. of that race. Yeah. Well, I, um, I ran Sega Honda as my first trail race. I had run the Rochester Marathon in September, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to run Sega Honda yeah. trails. You know, that's really where I want to be on this stuff anyways. Um, and it was – I so it was cold winter. You know, it was maybe – what was it, 2014 Sega Honda was my first one? Okay, yeah. So it was freezing cold winter, right? So um, I did – um, I started in February, like running, okay, I'm going to do hill repeats at Cobbs Hill. And that's basically what I did. Yeah, nice. I just kept going to Cobbs Hill over and over and over again. Yeah. And then as the trails sort of started to thaw a little bit, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get out to some of these trails. I went out to Letchworth a couple times and I'm like, cause I had run damn good. So I'm like, okay, okay I so know you had a good idea. So then. I'm like, I know what the first seven miles right, of this yeah. thing is. Um, so I just ran the damn good course two or three times out at Letchworth. I didn't go any further. Yeah. Um, and Sega Honda that year was so muddy, so very muddy. And I ran six hours and 40, uh, 604 or something like yeah. that. Um, and I was like, well, now I know I can do something for six hours. Right. Yeah, I wasn't cool. upset about the time. Like I wasn't like, oh my God, a six hour marathon. I was like, wait, I can run for six hours. So I got that going for me. Well, so I guess my story is kind of the same, right? Because so I finish in 430 or 438, whatever it is. But it's obviously a total disaster for the back half of the race. But that didn't bother me at all. The cooler part for me was that I completely blew up, but it didn't stop me. I was able to keep moving the whole time. And at no point did I think I was going to quit, you know. And I think... I had never been to that point in my life where I hurt bad enough that I couldn't run at points. I was hiking, but I was okay with it because I was moving forward and it was cool. And when I finished, I finished and I was like, I could have gone farther, you know? And that was like that. So there was a, there was a spark or something in my head right then that said, you know, there's still more out there. And I knew nothing about really ultra marathons or anything like that at the time. But there was something in me that was like, I didn't need to be done here. I'm done and I'm happy to be done. But I didn't need to be done here. Like, if they made me go another aid station, I could have gone another right. aid station. I could go back, I guess. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so, so there, were, there were definitely a lot of uh, seeds and sparks planted from, from that race. For me. Yeah, that would, and that was the thing. Like, um, when I first did my first marathon, I'm like, I can't possibly run for five hours. 
So I need to get this done in four, <laughs> right. right? And then I run Sega Honda and I'm like, oh, I can run in six. Yeah. So let's open up this can of worms. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, I think it's funny you say I, I need to run it in four, right? Road marathons scare the hell out of me because yeah. there's no excuses, right? So I'm going to stick to trails because I can always have an excuse for <laughs> oh, why I went hard. slower. Oh, the footing was rough. Oh, was yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything can be a good excuse on yeah. trails to be slower. I know. I, I said I was done with road marathons and I just, I signed up for rock and roll DC and I, I only because of the cool kids that were going and I wanted to hang out with the cool kids, yeah, you know, right so, yeah. <sighs> um, but the uh, did you jump right from Sega Honda to instantly start looking for ultras, or was there just sort of like that was sitting back there? Yeah, not wanted? not really. I don't think. I mean, it, it then sort of stuck in my head, and I started looking at, um, I don't know. I started looking at the fringes of running. Right, I looked at a lot more of the fringes of running. Who's mm-hmm. out here doing really weird, crazy things, right? Mm-hmm. And I had just gotten to know the Trails Rock crew. Like that was my Sega Honda was right at the beginning of the Trails Rock crew. And really I met them because I got on Twitter and looked up the hashtag Sega Honda. And I was Mm -hmm. like, somebody else needs to be talking about this race, right? It's crazy. It's cool. And there was one other person anywhere talking about it. Yeah. It was this athlete dad, dude, this Ben Murphy (laughs) dude. Like he was the only other dude talking about this race. So I was like, all right, that, that dude, I'm going to, you know, send him some, some messages on Twitter. You know, I didn't even, I don't, I don't even know really how to do Twitter all that well, but right. I'm not not good at Twitter. (laughs) Right. But there was this dude. So I was like, all right, he's kind of cool. And then as we were talking about it, you know, uh, this other dude, Ron and and this other dude, Eric kind of latched on. They were like, Mm -hmm. Hey, other dudes on Twitter talking about trail running, you know? And it was like, Oh, okay. So that's, so we were all kind of just getting to know each other, just getting to meet each other at that point and kind of flesh out what would eventually become trails rock. But so at that point you're just four guys at a race though, or did you go to that race as like, we, I'm part of, tra- <laughs> I'm part of these four guys using the hashtag. Yeah, right. We were trails rock at that point. I think right, right off the get go. It was like the four of us and our wives thinking we were crazy and stupid, but we, for whatever reason, were already trails rock at that point. Trails rock wasn't anything, but we were, Right. Trails Rock yep. at, at that race already. As a way to keep track of each other's messages. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we didn't really know each other all that well. You know, we had just met not that much earlier. and But I think we, we had an understanding right off the bat that uh, there was a void in the community. And, um, and I think we were, all four of us independently, were looking for something we hadn't had either in a long time or maybe ever, you know, I don't, I don't know that I've ever had that discussion with those guys, but, um, you know, I hadn't had a team or a group or a family outside of my own personal family since high school. And maybe that first year of college, you know, I had friends and things, but I didn't really have a group to affiliate with. Mm -hmm. And I think the four of us found each other at a point where maybe we were all looking for a little bit of that. Right. And, and so Eric sort of tells the story of he wanted to learn more about the trails and he was sort of looking for who the heck's talking about the trails out here. And, um, I think it's a very similar thing. Like he had the high school team. He was really good high school runner, went to college. It didn't quite work out for him. He leaves college. He starts to sort of get back into running. What's he looking for? He's looking for that thing that made the running fun, which yeah. is a group, a yeah, family a of people. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, Rochester had developed and built a great trail community and had had that forever anyway. So 
um, you know, Fleet Feet and Medved and Bagel Bunch. And, you know, they're, they're, there's a great history and a great group of runners in Rochester already. There just wasn't a great group of trail runners. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, it seemed like a void. How can we have so many trails and so many great uh, things in Monroe County and in Rochester mm-hmm. and not have a group kind of dedicated to this? Yep. And not have a central resource, too. That was the other thing. Like, when we met, all four of us knew our section of Monroe County, our section of Rochester, but we knew nothing about the other ones. Yeah, so. and you guys are all from a different part of the city yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. So we all had, like, our section of the city that we're like, oh, guys, you don't know Black Creek. I got to take you to Black Creek. It's awesome. You know, or, or you know, Eric was Duran and Ben yeah. was Crescent Trail and Ron was, you know, yeah. Ellison and, and yeah. you know, those try on and- try on. Yeah. So everybody had something to share with each other. And I think through that, we, we were like, man, we want to share this with with everyone. And I don't think any of us really thought about it from the perspective of, well, how many people need this resource? We thought people might, but realistic, we were realistically we were like well we we were looking for this resource so there must be more people let's mm-hmm. just do it for people mm-hmm. you know that kind of grew from that yeah and so did you suggest the uh the meeting at rod robin who was the one that i don't i don't know i think this is going to be lost to lore I, I think it is yeah <laughs> i don't i don't know who necessarily did that now the location i might have suggested it was, it was convenience Henry, probably Henry for me but how that meeting really developed or, or got built i don't i don't know who was dumb enough to go you know let's have four strangers meet in a restaurant to talk well, about trail running. well i've traveled with ron a little bit and he does like a good burger so <laughs> i can give ron credit yeah i'm all right with that um, <laughs> well when ron comes on the podcast he can refute it um but i guess you know we, we're sort of maybe if there's if there's somebody who just listened to this podcast for this particular episode we're sort of on an inside joke right so eric told the story um you guys decided that you were going to get together and meet for the first time at red robin right that's correct yeah i mean we we're at that point we had talked mainly through twitter alone you know and maybe an email here or there but we had never really met and you never ran together or anything no, no nothing right yeah. we all uh, you know, we were at the early stages of the social media following what each other were doing training wise, maybe to some extent, uh, we knew that, you know, a couple of us were doing Sega Honda and a couple of us had that weren't had great interest in the race anyway. So that was kind of a binding factor, but, um, but yeah, we, we all kind of had this, there needs to be a better resource for trail running in Rochester. And that was really the the basis of the meeting was, the four of us should get together and come up with a really good idea or plan of action to just create a resource for trail running in Rochester. So, so that meeting was the intent was to form a group at that point. It wasn't just like get to know each other. It was totally, we need to. Yeah, it was definitely, I mean, we didn't know what each other looked like. We had no idea, you know, so this wasn't a friendly hangout necessarily. It was, we need a resource in Rochester. Let's get together and, create a map or something you know we had no idea what that was going to be so i wouldn't say it was to form a group but it was definitely to form a a resource to to establish something yeah Yeah. right yeah to to, to start something or start building something at that point yeah I, i i just always think about that like what um you know, we talked about how it just grows organically and weirdly and how it, you're doing things that you races that you never thought you'd be doing and, and structure and, but ultimately at its core, it's a resource, 
right? At at its core, Trails Rock is a, a Rochester trail running resource. Yeah, I, I think that's all we intended it to be. We didn't intend it to be a race company. We didn't intend it to be a you know, weekly group run or a, a, you know, a nonprofit organization. It was just, it was a resource. Forms, forms. (laughs) We never intended forms. No, definitely not. I mean, it's, it's gone through so many iterations. Like I think there was definitely points in the early going where we held races and then all of a sudden we had like thousands of dollars, like in cash and we're like oh crap like this might be a real thing now we yeah, might have to figure something out here because this can't be legal no, like. right yeah <laughs> if it is uh somebody's not gonna be happy with us so. <laughs> um so yeah it, it it never had intentions of being anything really uh overly formal i mean mm-hmm. i think originally we were thinking like you know, let's get a Google map and just put pins where trailheads are in Rochester. Like that's, there you go. You know, start, start that way. And then we can go run some trails and put reviews, you know, on the different trails. Like I like this trail because it's muddy, you know, (laughs) whatever. Yeah. Um, Wow. And then it just spiraled out of control, sort of like you're running, right? Spiraled out of of control. (laughs) I mean, the two fed each other. So my... My running and Trails Rock mutually fueled each other in, in terms of my growth because now I had people around me that were equally stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> adventurous. The, uh, oh, right. Adventurous. <laughs> that was the word I wanted to use. You know, but I had guys like, you know, Ben that would say, let's get up at 3 a.m. and go for a run. Or I'd have a guy like, like Eric and say, uh, why don't we go do that Menden 10K loop five or six times and just see how far we can go. Um, yeah, you know, so I, I, I know trails rock was built and, and I was built by trails rock to some extent. Right. And you, so you were, you were one of the greatest benefactors of the resource. Right? Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, and when I think of it, I mean, you built something that you wanted. It turns out that it helps everybody else as well. Yeah, when you when you look at the group of runners that came out originally and you look at some of the success they've had, I think we all owe a big debt to Trails Rock as an organization and that's not, you know, that's not putting me up, that's just saying the community that Trails Rock is. So that's not that's not Eric Ron, you know, Sean and Ben. That's not that's not Trails Rock. It's that giant community that all grew spontaneously and organically. Right. And that that's sort of a thing that I'm, I'm sort of coming to grips with is, um, you, you create a thing, you put the thing out there. Now the thing exists, right? The thing is not you anymore. Yeah, no, definitely. Right now the thing is the thing and you might be a caretaker of the thing. And, and for those that aren't so quick with this i'm talking about the podcast for me right, right sure, like, yeah. I was, I was, like i was right with you. <laughs> well i know there's you know we have all sorts of listeners um but that's a thing now it exists um and just like trails rock there's a community now there's more board members there's not just four founders right there's there's some board members and there's all sorts of people wearing orange shirts so trails rock is now a thing it exists you help make it right but now it's its own it's its own five hundred one c three, right? It's its own entity now. Yeah, the 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 original people or any people could go away, and it would exist to some extent because th- there is a need there, um, you know. And and whether the community realized it or not, 
now that it's there, I don't think the community will ever let it go away. It's, it's just such a great spirit. Um, well, and it, and it's and it's built on that love of trail running and and the camaraderie and the community yeah. that sort of happened. So I think that's, um, you know, it's it's one of those things. If if it's needed, it will exist. And sure. and you know, it's really cool that you guys sort of brought to it you know yeah, we're, it, we're, just, we're to excited begin. to get in on the ground floor i think you know because <laughs> it's surprise this group this community surprises us every time we have an event every every all the time it surprises us and yeah. because it's not us anymore you know yeah. like it, it might have been us at the beginning but now yeah. it's its own thing and, it, and it's not it's i mean that character that you guys bring to it is still there um but I think the the comfort that people have with being creative and being expressive in the community and being themselves in the community yeah. is what allows it to keep sort of morphing and turning and twisting into things. Sure, you know? I think that's that's absolutely right because you, I mean, you look at the characters that exist within this small <laughs> niche community, and I mean, we're yeah. we're all nuts. I yeah. mean, I I, I love yeah. I love every single person that I run with in trails rock and there's so much uniqueness. There. Yeah. And it gives us the confidence to sort of step out of the comfort zone and say, um, go run that first distance. Right. Whether that's like, Oh crap, I just signed up for the men in 50 K, uh, help. Okay. Yeah. I'll totally go run the 10 K loop with you five times. Yeah. You know? It's funny because I don't ever hear, um, I don't ever hear the loud peer pressure, right? I don't ever hear people saying like, well, you know, you've done 12 halves. You have to do a marathon. Like that doesn't exist in this community at all. There's gentle prodding maybe, but, (laughs) but in general, it's a, it's a support thing. Like you already have that idea. And then the community supports you to an extent where you can't help but do it. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about a 50 K you should, you should 50 K you should do that tomorrow. 50 K that man. (laughs) Yeah. You're totally able to do a 50 K dude. I've run, I've run 10 miles with you. You can easily do a 50 K. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's what I mean by, by we, we owe a lot to trails rock because Mm -hmm. it's, you know, not trails rock, the entity, but trails rock, the community, because we've all gone further, pushed harder, done something outside of our comfort zone, mm-hmm. uh, become more of who we are because that community existed around us to be comfortable to try these things. And um, I don't, no one's ever been faulted for failure in this community. I've never nope. heard that, you know. Um, nope, you come, you come back, you ex- tell the story. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> right, and now the podcast exists where, you know, you can tell the story on a larger yeah. medium. Oh, now so. your story exists forever. Right, yeah. <laughs> Um, but the, that, you know, that's one of the reasons why this started because everybody has stories to tell. And, um, I think when you, you show up at, maybe you're at a run or at a race with somebody, you get to say hello, you get to know them a little bit and maybe something happens. You start running a little faster. They're a little slower the other way around or the the event's over and you got to run and you're like, Oh, I totally could have, we could hang out and talk all day. I wanted to hear about your so-and-so race. Now we now we get to record them and share them with everyone. You know, yeah, that that, that the two work well hand in hand. Yeah. it's nice to have the two. two so in so speaking of which, everybody listening is like, uh, I know Sean, and I know he just uh, ran a hundred miler. So get to the hundred miler. Um, but I don't want to quite get to the hundred miler <laughs> we'll yet. There, yeah. Well, we will, I think. But I think because everybody's interested. Um, but uh, from that, so you start, you know, you're running around. Now you got some people to run around with. Yeah. You've done your trail marathon. Now you're starting to explore. 
Um, did you go and look like um, you, you happened upon the world of ultras? Did you decide ultras were for you or did you sort of stick with marathons or just running for a little while? Uh, I just kind of ran. And most people that know me know that that's kind of just what I do. I yeah, just, just kinda, run. Yeah, I just run. Yeah. Um, and if there's something cool that comes up that I want to do, you know, I, I kind of take that on. So the, the next big thing for me was mine the ducks. And it wasn't as an ultra marathon. It just seemed like a really dumb thing. And I'm kind of into that. So at the time, Mind the Ducks was a half marathon loop at Seneca Park, uh, like Seneca Park Zoo area. And, you know, 12 hours on a half mile loop sounded just dumb enough that it might be something I'd be interested yeah, in. Yeah. So I want to I want to talk to you about your choice in races because <laughs> <laughs> there's really like scenic, pretty parts of Rochester. There's nice pine needle cushion trails. You're picking Sagahunda, the muddiest, finger lakesiest trail around. You're picking Mind the Ducks. Uh, spoilers, you're picking Beast of Burden 100-mile winter run. Like, what's the deal? All right, so I, I, I really like two things, right? I Obviously, I like to run, but I like, uh, I like really dumb events that are local. Um, <laughs> you know, so... And I like to do them all once, or at least there's like spin the bat competitions right, <laughs> that you could go to. Yeah, there might there might be some other things that are brutal, but I'm okay at running. Like I'm all right at running. I'm not not real good at other things. So uh, when there's dumb things that are in my field of vision, I, I like to take them on. So I don't know. Yeah, mine the docs just seem like people would look at me and go, "Why would you do that?" And so to me, that was cool, right? And Sega Honda was the same way. They're like, that's your first marathon? Oh, that's pretty dumb. And I, you know, now I've met a lot of people that that was their first marathon. But Still pretty dumb. But Yeah, I don't know. I, I like the idea of doing things that push me um, mentally. You know, So if something's really comfortable or familiar, it's not all that exciting or interesting to me. I, I like to take on something where I don't know that I can complete it. I don't know that I'm capable of doing it. Um, and I know that there's going to be struggle mentally or physically. So the, the loops that mind the ducks for me, I know that there's a, a mental struggle there. Um, you know, Sega Honda, obviously just the challenge of the course I knew was, was going to struggle. And then, yeah, as we get to, to beast, uh, it's a little bit of both of those things. I think. It's, it's absolutely, I mean, the physical and the mental of, being able to quit at any point in time, right? Like, yeah. so mind the ducks. I went to mind the ducks for the first time last year. It's great fun, and isn't it? It's a mile loop now, <laughs> which is you know half as way many, too easy, half yes. as many turns <laughs> around there. Um, but there's there's something I I always thought it was miserable. That's why I never went. I knew about it, and I'm like, that sounds terrible. Um, but then I got friends that like to do dumb things, yeah, so right. I went and checked it out, and um. There was something to the one mile. You get to see everybody. You're always around like friends. You're seeing them the whole time. You're wa you're running with the slow people. You're running with the fast people. You see everyone, but you can always quit. Like, and there's no DNF at the mind the dogs, right? right? You finish you, a loop and you finish. You finish a loop and you finish the race. So you can sit down, have lunch, have a snack, take a nap. What's it matter? You can always quit. Yeah, and the whole idea of, of beast with the out and back, I can quit now. Out and back, I can quit now. Yeah. Out and back, I can quit again, <laughs> and then out, <laughs> I can still quit. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, there's there is a mental hurdle there, right? And, yeah, and is that is part that. of it? That that is for me. Yeah, I mean, I 
I I like to see how much of my my body I can overcome. But then, yeah, I like to see, you know, what my breaking point is mentally too, and and mm-hmm. see if I can get there and go past it, and then go past it because I think. You know, it's like so many things in life. The more you push the envelope, the more you stretch it, uh, the more capacity you're giving yourself, right? So every time you push your pa- yourself past the limits, uh, you've, you've expanded, you mm-hmm. know, that, that range. And so the next time you push it a little further and a little further, and you're just yeah. expanding that elasticity, you know, yeah. and, and being capable of doing greater and greater things. Yeah. So, yeah, I always want to do something hard and stupid and dumb because i want to expand you never know how big the balloon's gonna yeah, get just right? let that balloon keep going <laughs> you know wow so um how is mine how'd you do it mind the ducks oh uh, so okay so the the thing that happened was i was running these half mile loops i was training for them i did i think i did 30 miles one day on a training run by myself like i parked my car by the side of that little pond in seneca and uh and i did 60 loops by myself and i grabbed you know, uh, yeah, like I grabbed a nine millimeter. <laughs> no, it, I, I had like, you know, I, I didn't know how to train for these things really. Um, so I had, uh, some donuts from a, a 7-Eleven that I picked up on the way to the run, you know, and like a few goos and like some Gatorade and stuff. So I just kept going kind of all morning and it felt good. And like lions were roaring in the background and you were married and you had kids at this point, right? Yeah. 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 I did. So, so you told your wife. No, I didn't really, you know, I told her I was going for a run. That's basically, and that's yeah. usually all my wife really, you, you know, didn't tell cares her, to know. I'm going to take this box of donuts and go run around in circles. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I said, I'm going to go for a course preview. Um, you know, it's, you could pre- I always wonder why mine, the ducks has a course, yeah, preview. Right, course preview. So yeah, I just kind of kept going. So I was really well prepared. Uh, and then something happened. The race got canceled actually that year. Oh, that was the year it got. Yeah. Oh, so that was going to be my was. first ultra marathon. I don't know if I, I guess I did think of it as going to be my first ultra marathon, but uh, yeah, it got canceled. So well, if you did 60 loops, you did your first ultra. Yeah. I didn't think of it that way though. You know, <laughs> well, people told me. Sega Cause there was Hunter. nobody there to watch. Right, you. <laughs> well, people told me Sega Hunter was my first. You know, and nobody gets ultra. over 25.9 on that course. No, I, don't yeah, think. I don't know. That doesn't really count. So, but, um, so I got into a little mental funk because I had done all this training and I was in really good shape and that was the goal race. And I had literally nothing else on the calendar cause I don't plan well. Um, mm-hmm. that's why I'm married to my wonderful wife cause she's the planner. She's uh, the so planner. I don't plan well. So I had that race and that race alone. And when that fell apart, uh, you know, I did too. Um, huh. so that was, that was it, right? You're like, Hmm. Yeah, so that was it for a few months where I just kind of got in doldrums and I was like, oh, I'll just go out and run a little bit and I'll run a little bit. And I kind of went through the spring, you know, the race was supposed to be in May, early May, and obviously didn't race and I really wasn't running much. But as the end of May rolled around, I started running more. Um, And then June and July, um, I put up like 200 mile months. And just out just, of nowhere, just, just, because. just doing it. Yeah. Wow. Like I'd get out on a lunch break and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to run three miles. And then I'd be in the center of Rochester, you know, I'd run from Henrietta and all of a sudden I'd be at like sticky lips. I'd be like, Oh, how'd I get here? All right. Gotta, well, I gotta, gotta go back. back, you know? So I'd get 10 yeah. milers in on lunch, you know, just for the fun of it. And I was, so I put up some 200 mile months and I had this Menden 50 K thing in the back of my head. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to do that. That'll be my first ultra. So, um, Menden 50k ended up being my first ultra, um, with some hitches in between there. Um, but nice, nice homegrown ultra. Yeah. Again, local race, uh, 
loops again, okay. right? The, I like that stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I got to say, though, I love that 10K loop. It's yeah. I think it's probably my favorite little trail in Rochester that I know, you know, like, and not in terms of like, oh, it's so pretty or in terms of like, it's easy or it's accessible. I mean, it's 40 minutes from my house, but I like it because of all of those things. It is very pretty. It is very accessible. It's easy to remember. It's got challenges. I mean, there's a thousand feet of elevation in one loop. You know, there's there's a lot of fun in that 10K if you do it right. There is. And and I think we've all, you know, as a community now built a lot of different memories on that. 10K <laughs> Some people loop. won't run it with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I, you know, there's there's a lot of good memories out on that loop. And it is kind of like the OG of of Rochester trail running because, yep. you know, that race has been around a while and that 10K loop has been around a while in a few different iterations. But it holds something sentimental to all of us, I think. So. Yeah, I think so. Um, so then you did the men in 50K. Did you feel good running your first ultra? Uh, like I ended a- up, uh, I had gotten hurt. I didn't run for a month ahead of that ultra. Uh, so my only goal ended up being to finish, and I did finish, and I ended up feeling pretty good and went, yeah, you know, my body's capable of this kind of stuff mm-hmm. as often as I want to do it. Yeah. It just as often down. as I want to do it. Yeah, I mean, it just comes down to you know <laughs> those other things like time and, and yeah, planning, planning, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, then, you know, for ultra training, planning, like deciding, you know, I'm going to do an ultra in say 20 weeks might be helpful. Planning tip. Yeah, one day I'll get that down, but I'm not there. <laughs> well, yet. if you plan on running Cayuga Trails 50, start now. This would be the time. Yeah. I All think right. Well, so. I got a race in between. So right. before I get there, I yeah. I mean, we well. got we have February, March, April, May. Four months. There's four weeks in each month. See, I can't. I can't start thinking about <laughs> Cayuga. I've got Mount Tammany ahead of me before uh, I get to Cayuga. So oh, I've got oh. more loops ahead of me before I, uh, <laughs> I take on Cayuga. That's that's uh four loops, right? That's actually ten. Oh, ten four, four mile. mile loops. I thought it was yeah. four ten mile loops. Yeah. And oh so you goodness. talk about, you, you know, this is the way I've been thinking about it. You talk about the um, men in 50K loop having 1,000 feet, right? Uh, right? Tammany is 1,000 feet of gain per loop. Four miles. Yeah. So uh-huh. 2,000 2, per up and down. Uh, so, yeah, 20,000 20, EC over, yeah. the, over the 40 miles. So it should be. Okay, well, you got a plan, so I mean, that's something. Well, I know the race exists, and I know... <laughs> and you're signed up. There's a mountain there, yeah. yeah so and you're signed go. up, and it's February, so I mean, yeah. you could work your way towards it. Right, yeah, I got I got still a month and a half to get ready for that one. So. All right, so the big question. How did you decide to do your first 100-miler? Uh, I don't know that I did. I don't know how that happened. Um, <laughs> I blacked most of that. Yeah, I think I did. Um if you ask anybody from around that time that I ran with, I think the most the thing I was most insistent on was that I wouldn't run a hundred miles for a really long time. Um, you and know, so, uh, so for context, you ran your first hundred miler in the January of twenty fifteen. Correct. Yeah. So thirteen months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. And I think leading up to there, that it was the one distance I knew I wasn't going to do. Did for, you run a Did you run a fifty or a hundred k? I'd done uh, I'd done fifty nine miles at Mine the Ducks. Um, okay. I had done. I don't know. I think I 
I, I don't know. I probably did some other stuff in there too, but um, uh, okay. It, it, mind the ducks was the fifty nine miles at Mind the Ducks was kind of. And then and you did Mind the Ducks last year too, I did, right? Yeah. And what'd you do? You did. Uh, I did fifty two, and it was right. the worst day of my life. Well, it was ninety five <laughs> degrees. Oh my out. god, it was horrible. <laughs> Dan Ward is the greatest warrior I've ever met. Wow. In my life. You know, I mean, that was crazy pants. It, that's the one I went to. And yeah, it was. Disgusting. And just watching you, just you, and um. Bertrand were sort of on the same oh, pace yeah, we for a right, while. Yeah, right together. Know, and I was just day. like, these guys are killing themselves in that heat. But uh, And the d- funny part was, I mean, Matt and I will never admit it, so I'm not admitting it here, but we were racing all day long. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> um, I don't think, you know, you don't really have an idea of where anybody else is. Right, you know, you, you can don't. think your laps up or laps down on people, but you don't really know, I don't think, for the most part. I think part. that's what's great about it, you know. it's uh, it's. I hate it. Um, after this year, I said I wouldn't do it again, and yet I'm signed up again this year. So yeah, uh, by the way, before KU guy, I also have mine in the ducks. Oh my! So. God. Okay, so keep stretching that balloon. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, the, it'll be a fun year. I've never raced this much in a year. So when you said, you know, what other races did you do? Not much. I don't race. Oh, well, that's much. what I was just gonna say. They're very spaced out. Yeah. It seems like you ran, and then you got a wild hair, and you signed up for a race. Yeah, that's kind of the way it's worked for me. I mean. There's other priorities in my life. There always will be that take precedent over running. I absolutely love running and I want to race more, but it can't take precedent over family and it can't take precedent over work. It's just reality for me. So I don't race much. Uh, but this year I've kind of gone out on a limb. And at least, the, at least the first half of the yeah, year. Yeah, we'll see what happens <laughs> in the back half. I, again, planning. I haven't planned out that. Before. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so you were saying you were going to delay a hundred miles. Yeah, I mean, for, a while. for me, a hundred miles was sick and stupid and something. Yeah, that, that's where I'm at right now. That's, it's it's uh, right. You're right. Yeah. Um, don't change your mind on that. Uh, I you know, for me, I went you know retirement. Um, sounds like a great time to run my first hundred miler. You know, <laughs> Take like a couple months. <laughs> you know, get to retirement where you don't have as much family or work responsibilities. And then, you know, then go out and train for a hundred miler. Um, so that was, that was my thinking forever until, I don't know, until I did some longer events and I realized I'm capable of doing them without a crazy training load. Um, you know, I can finish a 50 K with 25 mile weeks. I can finish a 50 miler with 30 mile weeks. Um, it's just planning them and doing them and then just plain old guts. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And, and for me, that's fun, right? That, that, <laughs> that's the part you like. It is. Yeah. So I would say about mine, the ducks, it's the, well, most ultras, the first 20 miles of the ones I hate the most because they're boring. <laughs> like you don't hurt enough yet. You know, like you're perfectly capable of doing those. Yeah. Right. Let's let the hurting start oh, and let, yeah. let the race begin. So I don't know, somewhere in there I went well, what the heck, let's do a hundred miler. And there's one in my backyard and there's no elevation to it. So it literally becomes just a mind over matter thing because you're not falling off a cliff anywhere. You're yeah, not there's gonna... no, there's no elevation yeah, you're on not... the canal. No, none. Right. Yeah. You're not going to uh. break a leg though. You know, like I, I didn't see yeah. anything that would stop me physically if I did that race. So I always yeah. just thought, okay. okay, it's a mental challenge of getting over the hurdle. So it's, for me, it wasn't necessarily a true quote unquote hundred miler. I was going to say, did you pick it as like an easy hundred miler? I guess to some extent, it's not the way I thought of it, but yes, because it, it was local. 
You yeah. know, so there, I wasn't risking much, I guess, yeah. is, is the way I looked right. at it. Yeah, that makes sense. You um, you weren't traveling down the Massanutten yeah. for a challenging 100 mile. Well, and I, so I wasn't risking much financially, distance wise, but I didn't feel like I was risking much in terms of, yeah, getting stuck on the top of a mountain and having a broken mm-hmm. leg. And, you know, mm-hmm. so. And the time and the investment. Right. And yeah. And in yeah. terms of risking something for my family and things like that, it, it made it made sense if I wanted to do a hundred miler, this was a hundred miler that made sense to me. Yeah. Um, and it's got a sweet buckle, sweet buckle, oh man. And it does have that bling. And I do love that <laughs> bling. Um, so yes, yeah, so I kind of, <laughs> so I signed up for beast of burden, hundred miler. And I told people I signed up for beast of burden, hundred miler. And then I sort of trained like I had a half marathon somewhere on the schedule coming up last year. So I might've, my, High week might have been 42 miles last year going into that race. My long run was maybe an 18 or 20 miler um, because I just thought mentally I could do it. Mm-hmm. Mentally I could beat it. I didn't need to be in physically phenomenal shape and I didn't have time to be in physically phenomenal shape. So I would just mentally beat the race. And it's really, it's because it's the second week in or third week in January it's a real tough time. I mean, your training is peaking between Christmas and New Year's. Right on. Yeah. You don't realize that until you've gone through that cycle a few times, <laughs> how difficult that really is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, last year was was a great, a grand experiment for me to see what I was capable of doing. And I went in not really in good shape um, physically. Mentally, I, you know, thought that I was going to crush that race. Yeah, it seems like mental is not not an issue at all. I, that was dumb. I, you know, I, I learned more about how stupid I am every day, and that was a huge wake-up call that day. Because mm-hmm. uh, Well, it is, the, it is the wise man that realizes he doesn't know everything. So I, you're getting there. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I learned more about what I don't know every time I do one of these races. But that, yeah. one, um, that one was humbling because... I hiked every step after mile 13 of that race last year. Wow. And, I and you did 70 miles. 70 miles, yeah. Wow. So you want to talk about a long day? That was a very long day. Woo. Yeah, I uh, I went out too fast. And it wasn't a particularly nice day. Oh, no, it was horrible. Yeah, sleet, um, you know, definitely some, some below zero wind chills. Um and the overnights yeah. are tough. So and so, um, the Beast of Burden is a, it's a twenty-five, fifty, or hundred-mile race on the canal, and it's twelve point five miles down the canal. Turn around, come back. That's right. And that's one race. That's twenty-five. That's twenty-five. Do it again. That's the second race. That's fifty. Oh. Do it again, and you're in between races. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> go. They don't have a seventy-five mile option. That's right. Right. And uh, there's an aid station at one end, uh, an aid station in the middle, and an aid station at the other end. Yeah, and that the middle aid station is a little uh, deceiving because it's actually seven and a half miles from one end and then five to the other. So as much as we say it's in the middle, uh, there's definitely points where it does not feel. Well, like when it's you're doing a hundred miles, rounding errors, are, you know, <laughs> you're subject to rounding. Yeah, uh, mentally you might get there at some point during the race, but there's yeah. definitely points where that seven and a half feels pretty pretty long. And so. and one of the appealing things also about Beast is the idea of the double Beast, right? right. So the winter, do the winter, nail that, get some fancy bling. 
nailed the then sign up for the summer, which is the same exact race, only in the middle of August. Yeah, right. Um, which is different than the middle of January. <laughs> Slightly different. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you get another buckle. And the then you buckle. get the super buckle, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, you get the sweep link. Yeah, so that's got to be a motivator. Oh, it's on the. It's definitely on the <laughs> list. I, you know, I, I say that people that know me know that I just like to go run, but um, I do like sweep bling Dude, too. Dude, you would look pretty damn sexy with a big old yeah, double, absolutely. double beast belt buckle. All hundred pounds of me wearing a fifty pound <laughs> belt buckle. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was it, that's definitely in there. Like it's it's local, it's cool. There's a ton of cool people that are there all mm-hmm. the time, and you yep. get to see them a bunch. And they're sweet playing. And yep. this year they gave me sweatpants. I mean, come on, sweatpants. They gave me a pair of gloves. Yeah, we'll, we'll nice. get to that, I guess. Right? Cool. Um, but so you said you hiked it. So you did 13 miles. So you went one way out. Yeah. Got to that aid station. Yeah. And you're pretty much walking. Yeah. Well, I got to that aid station fast like too fast. I got out of that aid station, started my way back and had cramps in my quads that were so bad that I w- I had, I was forced to walk. Um, and every time I tried to run from that point from mile 13 on, I couldn't, I physically could not run. My quads had, I don't know what I did. I pulled something, tore something, injured my quad. I it was, yeah. it was incapable of running, uh, that Other, motion. Otherwise you felt fine. Um, you know, fine is a, a loose yeah, term I mean, in but, ultra running. But you but weren't yeah. feeling like, oh, I'm so dehydrated or, oh my God, I'm right. so hungry or yeah. anything No, like that. I mean, there was nothing that was that bad except for the fact that it was taking me way longer to do everything than I thought. So plans for hydration uh, went out the window because I had a small bottle that I was carrying, right? Which mm-hmm. is fine when you're moving it 10, 11 minute clip to get six miles or seven and a half miles, whatever it may be. Uh, but when that's taking you twice as long as as expected, uh, you're draining that bottle and you're not hydrating the way you should. So yeah. I was constantly falling behind on hydration and nutrition because I didn't, one, I didn't know enough. Two, I was too stubborn. No, uh, I hadn't nearly expected that amount of time out Yeah, there. I mean, all that stuff compiled into being dehydrated all day, um, being behind on calories most of the day. So I was doing this like... Uh, go into aid stations and binge for like a half hour, just like eat everything in the aid station. Oh, pizza. Yeah, sure. Sandwiches. Oh yeah. All right. Quesadillas. Eat those, mm-hmm. you know, pickles, like whatever they had, I was eating and yeah. I would eat massive amounts and then I'd leave the aid station and then like have huge stomach distress and mm-hmm. be miserable yeah. and nearly die and then get to the other end and people would look at me like <laughs> you're dead. And then I'd spend, you know, 40 <laughs> minutes in that aid station, revitalize and go back out. So I did that all day long. Um, and then I got to the point where I couldn't do it anymore. The temperatures had dropped too far. I didn't really have the gear for below zero temperatures moving at 20 minute miles, um, being dehydrated. And, uh, I started puking, leaving that midway aid station at like mile 68, 69. Um, and just, I could not get warm. I sat in front of a jet heater and couldn't get warm, couldn't get warm. Uh, they put me into a car. I sat on a heated seat. They piled blankets on top of me, and I was shivering uncontrollably, so cold. So. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you felt like, because you were new to it, 
did you did you go in it with gear? Did you go or did you yeah, no. were you like I got some sweatpants? <laughs> yeah, I had yeah. A, I had a spring jacket that I wore, yeah. but I thought if I wore enough layers under it, I'd be cool. You know, like I I wasn't yeah. geared right, and um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't ready for what being out in those temperatures for that. And long so days. ultimately, it was seventy miles in yeah. how long? I I don't know for sure. Yeah, and honestly, I, mean, I can't even tell you this year how long I was out there, but I think I it was, can tell you. Yeah, I think I was like 19 or 20 hours at that point yeah. um, when I called it. And um, and I didn't regret it. You know, I didn't necessarily pull out. I think my crew said, you're done, you know, and pulled me. Um, but I had no, I still don't from that race. I can't look back and go, man, I regret that or I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. It, it was who I was at the time. It was what yeah. I brought to the race. And I left everything I had at that race. Yeah, And I didn't feel like, another five miles validated me another 25 miles validated me another 30 miles validated me like 70 miles validated the work I put in so that I was cool with that 70 miles was awesome but I still had a grudge I still had some revenge that I needed all right so did you did you wake up the next morning after 40 hours of sleep instantly like I'm going back next year yeah I don't I don't think there was a moment where I didn't think I was coming back this year Mm -hmm. I mean I think from the minute that they were like, you're done. I was like, all right, well next year, next mm-hmm. year's a hundred, you know, like right. it, there wasn't really even a, you know, some people say, oh, you need time to, to sit and think about how dumb this it was. One, or this one was no. Yeah. For me, I, I've never really had that after too many races, right. maybe mine, the ducks this past year at 95 degrees. But other than that, pretty much every race I've done, you know, I've gone, oh, that was cool. Yeah. That was a great experience. I'd, I'd do that again. And, uh, dropping out last year, I was definitely, from minute one, ready to go again, you know, yeah. ready to do it again, ready to take it on. So. Yeah. My, my first ultra twisted branch as I'm running it, I knew I was coming back to run it the <laughs> right. next year. Like, That's awesome. I hit the 40 mile mark at, you know, Bud Valley yeah. where everybody's hanging out and yeah. you meet pacers and all the crews there. And I'm like, I totally do. Why would I not do this again yeah. next year? I don't even know what's going to happen for the next 25 hours, you know, whatever. I don't care. I'm coming back to this race. Yep. Turns out that that was a very long stretch of the race for <laughs> right, me. Yeah. But that, there's some really long stretches from that point on. So Yeah, yeah. but I, I was like, whatever. I'm totally coming back to this. There wasn't yeah. even a question. Um, and it sounds like it was pretty much automatic for yeah. you. Yeah, it definitely was. So what did you do to um, to prepare? You so know, I, Now you had a whole year. Now you know right. planning's not your forte. Right. But you know you got 364 days to come back to this race. Well, I mean, so I still took it in chunks. You know, I still looked at at some other races. You know, I looked at Mind the Ducks. I was going to knock that out. Um, you know, Twisted Branch was there, and and we were all there. Was such a great group of us doing that race that that was definitely still the focus. Like, okay, let's get through yeah. Twisted Branch. So, you know, more trail running stuff like that. But in the background, Beast was always there. You know, so my <laughs> wife went to North Face during the summer and they were having like a blowout sale of all last year's winter stuff. And, you know, she was like, I'm gearing you like now, you know, yeah. and this is like June or something. And yep. and so she got me like some really cheap, awesome North Face gear. Yeah, you seemed really geared up this year. Yeah, you seemed so like you had the right stuff this year. I didn't, uh, you know, I, I was. I'm always too cocky. It's, you know, it's well, you got to be confident in just yourself. The nature of the, the, you gotta, the beast. Right? You got to be confident in yourself. Yeah. I, I, I like, so, but there's things I'm learning. I can't 
um, outwit or outsmart or, or out cool and, you know, uh, gearing properly for a winter race, you know, where you're going to have below zero temperatures in the middle of the night. You can't out cool that, you know? So, uh, so I was okay. You know, I was going to gear up, right. I was going to be geared. That wasn't going to be the reason, uh, that stopped me this year. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was trying to eliminate excuses, and one of those excuses was gear. I was going to eliminate that as an excuse um, for stopping, for, for ending. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought, take that away. Um, one less thing that can stop me. Yeah. I, I might have been cocky enough to think that was the only thing that uh, was going to yeah. stop me. Well, and, and what's so interestingly, um, you had in Gingy's, right? Yep. Um, so you had the toe socks, which aren't exactly winter socks. But they are good for spending a crap ton of time on your feet. Yeah. Did you try other cold weather socks, or has that always sort no, of been your standard? I, so, and Gingy's have been awesome for me for years. I mean, I yeah. I re- still dabble in some barefoot running here and there, um, and you know some stuff in sandals and stuff like that. And Gingy's are always awesome mm-hmm. for me for endurance events. So, um, I just for beast, I do two layers. I do the Njinji's and then I just throw a cheap athletic sock over it and I mm-hmm. create this little bubble of warmth and it works perfect. So. Yeah. And then you had just like, um, Brooks, right? You had, yeah. Uh, the pure grits. Yeah. They're kind of my, my go. So those, so those aren't known as a winter shoe either, but, um, seemed like your feet came out of it. Okay. So, well, here's the trouble. I'm not really a, a gear nerd in terms no, of I knowing know. the right shoe oh, and I stuff know. like that. So I know, but, but you had a real sweet jacket. I did have a really nice jacket. <laughs> yeah. Again, thanks to the planner, my wife for yeah. getting me. You yeah. Know, the so, really I mean, nice but, gear. but it's interesting because I, I'm guessing your feet are always moving. You don't really need it, but that's why I was asking. Have you ever, so you, you ran, um, well, I guess this winter doesn't count, but you run through the winter. Yeah. Um, and you just run in your normal normal yeah, gear most of the time because you're, too much you're not that. out long enough. Right. right. Yeah. Don't change too much of that. So, so okay. yeah, that gets you know we got we got through uh, Twisted Branch, which was a crazy Twisted Branch awesome, was a hell of a lot of fun, amazing day. Yeah. Um, the end of the day was pretty miserable and sad and terrible for me, but um, but you finished the race. Yeah, that's debatable. I guess there was an eighteen-hour cutoff that I did not make. Well, that cutoff got extended, and I guess I made it. So. Well, uh, everybody finished about two to three hours later than they thought they would. That was a, just a wild, tough. But fun but I experience. think the thing was, I think the cutoff was more about leaving Urbana. Yeah. Like, right. what time did you leave Urbana? And if and if that was okay, then then yeah. you're all right. Well, see, I didn't. I guess I didn't really know that at the time. I so, didn't either. But. Yeah. So when I came through and it was like eighteen oh nine, and I had been on my feet for eighteen hours and nine minutes, and I had missed the final cutoff by nine minutes. It's pretty pretty devastating feeling. And yeah. and I had done the last section with my daughter, and she was cracking the whip all over you, wasn't she? Well, one she was, and then as we were getting close, and the time was slipping away. Um, the two of us were emotionally just a mess because uh, she was so upset. She thought it was her fault that we weren't going to finish on oh, time, you know. And and you uh, know what? I, I've seen her run. She she did a fifty k at mine the ducks. Yeah, it, it's not going to be her slowing you down. No, it definitely care. wasn't. I mean, we just it was such a a frustrating time to be on the trails and and very emotional for the two of us. She was overtired, and obviously, I had put some time on feet and. Yeah. We were really emotional out there, and so when I hit the finish line, there was a lot of frustration built up because uh, I just 
I don't know. I, it went longer than it was supposed to. <laughs> for for everybody, from yeah. number one all the way to number forty-seven. Yeah, it, it was a long day for everybody. But it was a fun. I mean, it was a fun yeah. day. It was fun the whole time. And that's so. how I said, like, even when I was going and it's it's getting dark out and i'm like oh great the kids are still awake this is gonna be a shark show later tonight (laughs) (laughs) there is i mean there's always that you know element and ultra running has that big element of family whether it's the trail family but also your personal family you know they're always on your your mind they're oh you're always thinking about um making them uncomfortable or making them, you know, putting them out. So yeah, that they were on my mind a lot during that race. As yeah. Well. I got, I got to the finish line and my daughter ran up and gave me a hug. She was the first one that gave me a hug yeah, awesome. and I uh, looked over and my son's just out on a car, <laughs> like gone. I can't blame him. He's done. <laughs> well, I mean, it's almost 11 o'clock, yeah, right. you know, at night. And, yeah. um, I remember just like when we were coming into Urbana and, um, the the moon was coming up over the ridge and i was like oh hey dave we made the sunset and it's still going up i'm like oh wait that's the moon (laughs) well that's it too right (laughs) didn't you have thoughts of like where you would be and where the sun would be at certain points during the day and that didn't line up at all my goodness yeah that was really cool though like i mean overall like i said instantly I'm, i'm back the next year yeah so i mean i had that obviously i had that at beast and then i got through twisted branch and I got through it in pretty good shape. I felt good. Um, I got running again soon after and I noticed not as many people did. Like some people took a lot of time off and I didn't feel I needed it. Like I was able to get back out pretty quickly. And so I kind of started rolling into, okay, this is beast of burn training mode. Like a so, lot of sounds like a great way to finish off that training. block. <laughs> right, yeah. uh, so I just started doing a lot of flat, you know, long stuff. Um, getting ready to go and making sure that I was physically prepared. I still wasn't going to be the guy that got in hundred mile weeks. Like I just don't have the time in my schedule for it. Um, but I knew that I could slip in a few 50 mile weeks and I could do, you know, a 30 plus mile run, you know, and, and pair that with like a 12 or a 10 mile run on, on a weekend. And I could put together some runs that would make me confident knowing physically I could get through, through beast. And I think you, you had what a 37 miler on the greenway. Yeah. So, I mean, that was another thing, right? Uh, one of my goals for the year was to do the first known time on the Lehigh Valley trail out and back. Um, I haven't found anyone else that's done it. So I was like, that's the thing I want to do. So, um, I need to get a long run in and that was there. And so I figured I'd, I'd do it for a training run before beast. So two weeks ahead of beast, I did that run and I finished and was like, Whoa, I feel amazing. And I did like 10 minute miles the whole time. I was like, this could be a real thing. Like we could take on beast and really, really do something. Here, I've, so. I've actually prepared. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, a, that was a cool feeling going. I'm actually prepared. There was a little bit of fear did I do too much too close to the race? Mm-hmm. There, you always have a little bit of trepidation that you're doing something wrong. But um, but I felt great afterwards, and I felt like that was a good conclusion of the training cycle, and I was ready to go for Beast. So yeah, that kind of brought us to this year. And you were ready to go for Beast, dude. Yeah, you were you were crushing Beast. I was when yeah. I showed up. I thought I was going to be there on time to see you hit 50 miles. Like I was looking at all the splits. I'm like, okay, I'm going to pull right up. I'll see him hit 50 miles. No, you were gone. You were like, you weren't there. Nobody from the crew was there. Like 
Sean's right on schedule. Yeah, minutes, so you know, I, it, there was okay. The race started the way it started last year, which was the first twelve and a half miles were misery. Um, this year it was there was a lot of snow. We had like seven inches of snow on the path that was kind of loose packed. Uh, felt like running on sand. We had a headwind going out, which we never have. It's always a tailwind going out. Um, so. I'm I'm in this group of guys and we're we're fighting. I mean, we're fighting to do I I don't know, I didn't have any pace, but we were fighting. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Man, this is a lot of hard work. This is really hard going out." And and you know, I'm talking to some of the guys I'm with and you know, a few of the other guys are talking to this one dude and they're like, "So who do you think's your competition for the 100?" And the guy's going, "Oh, you know, I don't know who's out here." And I'm like, "Wait, I'm running with the 100-mile leader? Like something's wrong here, you know?" <laughs> um so I got to the, that first aid station way faster, like 20 minutes faster than I was the, supposed The 12 and a half, yeah. the first end. And it was really hard. Well, it was hard because I was way too fast, but it was also, I was way too fast because I had to fight against the wind. I had to fight right. against the snow. So you're just exerting yourself and it, it's not about the speed that you're going. Right. It's just the effort. You're yeah. You were in. just, you, you, you felt like that's what you had to do to just move forward because, you know, we had... I think they were saying that the sustained winds were like 17 to 19 miles an hour sustained winds right in our face. Wow. And then seven inches of snow. It was nothing like that. No, yeah. The rest of the day we had very little wind. But that first trip out, I remember getting to that first aid station and having a bunch of the 100 milers go, if it's like that, like, I'm not going to make it today. Like, I'm done. And I definitely had that thought. It felt just like it felt the year before. I got into the first aid station way more tired. Things hurt way more than they were supposed to. Wow. And there was a giant uh-oh moment at 12 and a half miles into this. You're like, did I race. do it again? Yeah, I thought I did it again. I thought I blew the race. Wow. And I'm 12 and a half miles into my first 100. Ugh. Yeah. Um, but I got out of that aid station, and I slowed way down. I basically, I completely took my foot off the gas and said, um, I'm just going to recover. Like, this 12 and a half is about recovery. It's going to be slow. I'm going to recover, and at 25, we'll reassess where we're at. Well, and at that time, all the people from the race had now been on the trail at least once. Yeah, it was it was definitely better on the return. It wasn't great. The trail conditions weren't great at that point, but it was better, and you can tell as the day would go on, it would get better and better. So there was, there was a little bit of hope there, um, and yeah, it just slowed way down. And so that 20-minute lead that I gained during my first 12 and a half – I gave back all of that and 10 minutes on my next. Yeah. And that, and that left you pretty much right on schedule for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I got into 25 and you know, I looked at my crew and I just said, let's reboot and restart the whole race. Let's start from scratch here because that was horrible. (laughs) That first 25 was not what I wanted. I mean, time wise, I was around where I wanted to be, but but it it didn't feel right. No, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel right. But I felt like 25 was a great place to reboot and reset the race and start over. Um, and I was picking up my daughter as a pacer, which mm-hmm. is always a huge bonus because she's, yeah. uh, you know, she's great to run with and she's one of my training partners. So, yeah. uh, and I wasn't planning on having pacers early in the race, but we have so many awesome friends that <laughs> yeah. I was like, you had a line, dude. Yeah. There was, was a like, line I, of people. I might as well. And everybody that wants to run, let's come run and make this a, a group yeah. event and a community event. So. I picked her up um, at 25, and she said, okay, Dad, let's do 13-minute miles. I was like, all right, mm-hmm. let's do 13-minute miles. That was really your sort of pace for 
sub 24 was 13 minute miles. Yeah. So we settled in and she was calling off every mile split, you know, 1308, 1252, you know, and it was like, okay, mm-hmm. we're doing all right. Uh, we picked up uh, John at the midway station who I didn't think we were going to run with, but he was like, Hey, I need to get a run in. Can I run the next you know, seven, whatever with you? I was like, yeah, sure. Come on. Yeah. Uh, and then we start clicking off like 12s and 1130s and 12s you know and it was like okay and we got to you know that turnaround 37 and a half and i felt like it was a race again like i'm back in this thing um and jeff was waiting for me which was really cool because i don't get to run with him a lot but i think a lot of him as a runner and uh just kind of being a really steady guy and that's what i needed at the time so I grabbed him and, you know, yeah, 12 minute miles, 12 minute miles. So at that point, that's 37 and a half. Yep. And yep. Um, you're eating fine? Yeah. Uh, hydration has been great. In fact, I'm probably overhydrating because I'm. Uh, it's a little warmer than I expected it to be. I'm kind of sweating through everything I have, but... Yeah, we're doing lots of runs to dry off your jacket. Yeah, I mean, I thought of that as a good thing, right? If I'm sweating that much, I must be consuming enough, you know, water and stuff. Possibly. Yeah, Yeah. so I was really taking in um, good calories, consistent calories instead of that binge thing that Mm -hmm. I did the year before. Yeah, that sort of tapered off near the end, but... Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I was trying to goo, like, every hour. You were were saying that you felt good. Yeah, I did. I got to that 37 and a half, and I went... Okay, we're over a 50k. My, you know, outside of the normal hurts and things, nothing hurt and I had no issues, you know, I was just fatigued and and mm-hmm. sore but nothing nothing bad. And I was able to click off 12 minute miles. And you, know? you weren't you weren't spending a lot of time in aid stations up to that point at all. I, that was definitely the plan. Like Twisted Branch taught me that I don't need a ton of time at aid stations. Mm-hmm. I need smart time at aid stations. I need the mm-hmm. right amount of calories. I need you know, the right amount of fluids. And if I need to settle my stomach, I take the things that settle my stomach. If I have a certain pain, I stretch that thing out. And but, you, you address it right yeah, away. Yeah, be efficient, get in, get out. Um, mm-hmm. And people always said, beware the chair. And I didn't believe that for a long time, but I'm starting to become a believer. Oh, see, I, I'm not sure. Um, there's people that have told me to sit because yeah. your muscles are at rest. Yeah. And they're going to absorb more food and more calories when they're at rest. I mean, but I've, I've been I, on... get what, I get what you're saying. You stiffen up and, yeah. and your brain changes from running to sitting and it's a battle. I'll, I'll tell you, this year at Mind the Ducks, I just want to keep moving. Like I want to get back out. That's all I want to do. Like I want to be back out there every time. So every time as I got into an aid station, I was excited to get to that aid station. I mean, you've been 12 and a half miles since the last real aid station and it's cold and it's, you know, it's kind of miserable out there and all it is is gray and white and black. I mean, there's no color. There's no life. You know, you don't really see people out there. So yeah, it's 12 and a half mile out and back, but you might see three people for that entire 12 and a half mile. Like you don't see people out there. So I was excited to get into aid stations, but as I got into each aid station, I was like, man, I can't wait to get back out here and, and knock off a little bit more distance, get a little bit closer to a hundred miles. Yep. Um, so 37 and a half went great. Um, going with Jeff to get to 50 felt amazing. And as I got to 50, I remembered 50 from last year. 50 from last year was death. I think I was in the aid station for like 45 minutes. Yep. Um, it sucked. It was miserable. Yep. 
I got into 50 this year and I think I felt like Rocky Balboa at the top of the yeah. steps. And I actually, I, I misspoke. I saw you come in for 50. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you came in for 50 and you did the thing. You did the Rocky Balboa thing. Yeah, you were man. like eating. I, I was you, pumped. You looked good. And, uh, you went out with Todd, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went out just so excited that I got to 50 and felt good. Felt like a runner still felt you like looked, you looked great. Yeah. I felt like I had running miles in me still. So, I mean, we were just doing a great mix of running and hiking. And I think all my pacers were like, you know, when I was running, I was running like nine minute miles, you know, and mm-hmm. I was hiking a bit slower, but they kept going, do you want it? Do you want me to slow you down? And it's like, no, man, cut me loose. Let me go. Yeah. I'm feeling good. So yeah, my running miles were really fast and my hiking miles were, you know, good achievable pace. Um, I just don't run for very long. So I kind of do these running, you know, quarter mile sprints and then, you know, hike for a quarter mile and run for a half mile or whatever. And after we saw you at 62 and a half, cause you were going to pick up Laura and the 62 and a half aid station. So that aid station at the other end, you, we were talking about this as a canal and it's exposure and it's, you know, you're outside and everything. This isn't a building. Like you leave the canal, yeah. you go on to Main Street or whatever, yeah, yeah. and there's a sign that says turn right here yeah. and you walk into a building. Yeah. So I'm like waiting at the beast of burden in a hundred mile winter and I'm sitting there nice and cozy yeah, inside and, relaxed, yeah, nice, right? you know, and I'm like, this is, this is so strange for it, me right now. It is weird. And I think that's part of the reason, you know, the get in, get out of those aid stations is important because yeah, you could totally get comfortable. Oh my God, they're comfy, cozy, aren't they? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, so that was the first one where I think you took some time. Your stomach was a little messed up. You sort of relaxed a little bit. We changed, you changed most of your clothes, you know, and, um, yeah, I was, so I think by that point, by 62 and a half, it became, um, intelligence, right? Let's run this race smart. Like I'm yeah, really, you're, you're two thirds of the way there. Right? Yeah. Like, and, and, but <laughs> two thirds of the way there is funny in a hundred miles, right? So two thirds <laughs> of the way there, you still got more than a 50 K left. Yeah. It's like halfway there or or maybe less <laughs> right so it distance wise you're that far but it there's a lot of race left still yeah. um but i felt good i didn't feel like there was anything that would stop me from completing that remaining distance it was just i needed to be smart i needed to listen to my crew and i needed to listen to my body so that's mm-hmm. you know i was going to take enough time at, at the aid station yeah. to and do you that. did you did the right thing you know you ate something to settle your stomach you changed all your clothes you got dry went to the bathroom just got settled and went out. Yep. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's taking that extra minute every time to go, did I do everything I needed to do? You know, where are my calories? Where's my hydration? Where is every different statistic that I need to be at? Am I where I need to be before I leave? Cause once I leave, I'm out there, you know, I'm yeah. exposed. I'm all those things. So, you know, it is taking that right amount of time, but, but yeah, getting back out there and getting to it. And so, yeah, I did. I got out there and Man, still feeling good, still moving well, still putting on 13-minute miles pretty consistently, you know, dead dead flat 13-minute miles. And I got to that midpoint aid station, and I took a couple minutes there, not much, because usually my crew's about a mile from, from there at a parking lot, so I knew if I really needed anything, I could get it there. And uh, it turned out my wife was just a mile down the road there, so we checked in with her. So that was where I dropped the year before mile 70. Mm-hmm. And there was no thought of dropping. There was no injuries. There was no anything. I felt awesome. I felt warm. I felt comfortable. 
Um, you know, she checked in. Do you need anything? I'm no, I'm good. We're doing 13 minute miles and I'm feeling great. There you, you go. Know? So we kind of flew past her and then things happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you got a half mile past her and I suddenly kind of started feeling a pain in my ankle. I didn't roll my ankle. I didn't. Right. Something weird. Something weird was going on with right. kind of uh, right in the center of my my foot, high ankle, low shin, but dead in the center. I had this sharp pain, and then it would go. It would numb into like a throbbing pain that would come back as a sharp pain, like every I don't know tenth, fifteenth step. And it was really weird. I've never had pain there before, and so I didn't. I kind of dismissed it at first. It's an ultra. You're gonna have pains are gonna hurt. Issues, yep. you know, whatever. So uh, I dismissed it for a couple of miles, and then it, the pain really started getting consistent and sharp, and it hurt. <laughs> Right. And, and, you know, you were running with Laura at that time, right? Yeah. yeah. So we talked to Laura after the race and she's like, it was instant. Yeah. It was like one minute we're running, next minute we're not. Yeah. I, I, so I can't really, I still can't really understand how it happened that way because there wasn't a traumatic event. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, so I'm sure Laura will tell a different version of this, but for me, it was just making it back to that next aid station. It was mm-hmm. like, okay. Oh, no, that's what that's what she said. Yeah. She, but when you were moving, you were moving okay. Yeah. And I had the same experience. When it wasn't, you know, gut-wrenching, you know, pain, you were moving. And well, that, that was the strangest thing. Yeah, and so it's, it's strange in a lot of ways, right? In an ultra, at that distance, you're at a steady pain of, of six, Right. You know, like when your doctor says, you know, one to 10, where are you? You're probably at a steady six, but your brain just shuts that off. Yeah. And you were lying to me. Tell me you're at a seven. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, your brain shuts off that that pain meter. Right. So you're you're probably realistically at a six, but you've been at a six for 10 hours now. Right. So your brain doesn't really adjust to that. So when you have pain that's that sharp and that demanding of your attention, it it gets your attention because you're (laughs) like, what is this? Where did you know? that come from? Yeah, what what is this? So yeah, it was sharp enough and painful enough that it it stopped me because uh, I I couldn't put the next step down. It was so painful. Um, so my mind kind of went to okay, I have a stress fracture like that. It's the only thing that made sense to me. I didn't sprain anything. I didn't turn anything. Yeah. Uh, I I probably you know, just have an overuse injury like a stress fracture. Yeah. So when you got into 75, that's when I was going to run with you. Right. You, you weren't going to be running anytime soon. So um, yeah. you sort of were like, let's just figure this out. Right. So we sat you down. We put some, you ate a little bit. Yeah. Um, just kind of sat and uh, put some blankets on you. And then you fell asleep for a little bit. Yeah. I kind of, my head went to, if I can't, if I can't move the way I've been moving, mm-hmm. um, and I couldn't, and I, then I don't want to be out there exposing myself to the temperatures and, and risking injury right now if I don't know, if I don't have a really good grasp on what's going on. Um, so t- 
time went out the window. I, did, yep. I, did, I really didn't care. You know, the 24 had, hour finish. plenty of time at that point. Yeah, I, it, it didn't matter. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know where I was at time wise, but it ceased to really yeah. matter. But, to but me. none of us cared because you, you really did have, I mean, it was like 3 a.m. at that point. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that. You yeah. know, I was yeah, just, I, know. I was at the point where I, I figured, just give me some time. You know, give me some time. Let me sort out my feelings for, for this new pain that I'm experiencing and, and see if it's something uh, that's going to stop me or I can keep moving. So I laid down actually in the back of my van. I think I slept for a little bit and my wife woke me up and said, okay, you, you need to make a decision well, here. You need to do something. So before that, yeah. um, you slept in the chair for a little while, right? And then you woke up from the chair and um, I think at that point is when we took a look at it. Yeah. Um, so we took off um, we took off your socks and shoes and, um, uh, the, your feet were warm. There was nothing cold about them. They were warm. But then we, um, I started touching around your ankle oh, to see exactly that, now where I it remember was. that. Yeah. So, and I was like baby touching, like just a teensy teensy. Yeah. And I, cause you didn't tell us like it's on my shin or whatever. Right, You're right, like, right. my ankle is done. Yeah. So we we're like, well, what is it? What is it? I'm like, the ankle's not swollen or anything. And I touched the top of your shin bone and like you totally lit up like boom, Christmas tree fully lit up. And we're like, okay, that's it right there. And, and, and that is a good way to describe it. It was like an electric shock to the system when you, uh, cause now I remember that, right. I, I was trying to remember that whole section. Um, but yeah, I remember you touching that spot and it hurting. Yeah, And I mean, I barely touched it, but so then we're like, okay, that's the issue. You know, yeah. and um, so your dad was like, well, I don't know. Well, we'll go get some stuff to wrap it. Yeah. So he went off to Walgreens to go get stuff to wrap. Yeah. Um, then you sort of went out to your van and, you know, we're like, OK, well, we're going to figure out what to do with this thing. Sure. Um, so you came back in right after Christy, I woke you up and was like, you got to make a decision, I guess. Yeah. She said, uh, I, you know, and I was groggy definitely at the time, but she said something along the lines of there's people here for you. You need to, you need to do something. And I don't know if she said you need to make a decision or you need to do something, you know? And I think it was kind of like a, a challenge, you know, like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're in a race here. Like Mm -hmm. decide what you're doing. Let's, let's do something. Let's be active. Let's do something. Uh, and so I laid there for another minute and then I went, yeah, what the, you know, what am I doing? All right. You know, whatever, if it's if this thing's gonna go away, it's gonna go away by now. If not, it's gonna hurt, and I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna suffer and see what I can do. So, um, yeah, I kind of got back in the tent. I think had a couple more things to eat and just kind of put myself yeah. back in the put yourself back together. Like a, I mean, like you are ready to go again. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, ready to go. Relative. Right? Yeah, like, right. So Ben, Ben with his great bedside manner, just like grabs your ankle. <laughs> And just yanks the tape around it. And I'm like, Ben. And he's like, this, we got to tape it up, you know. And he's he's being, you know, gentle, but not gentle, you know. Like, I think he was thinking it's going to wake you up a little bit, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, and you were like, okay, let's, let's give it a, a try, yep. right? And now you're going out with fresh, dry clothes. You oh, got yeah. Yeah. sturdy, taped up ankle. And the first thing you started doing when we started walking was you said, it's not structural. This is not structural. Yeah. This tape is not helping. Yeah. 
I don't remember saying that, but that's thinking back. Yeah, that that definitely was the case because it it wasn't. I could move the foot fine. I could move it up and down, side to side. There was no pain when I did that. Taking pressure off of it removed the pain. Um. So yeah, it was just such a weird, yeah, weird. It was thing. strange because we'd be going at a great pace and then you'd stop. Yeah, because it, it, it would, I mean, it just physically stopped me. I mean, my brain just couldn't wrap my head around the amount of pain that, that I would experience at any given time. And I just remember it just would take my stomach that had been okay for the most part all day, and it would just turn it in a complete knot. Like, the pain was sharp enough to just turn my stomach inside out, like, just turn it into a knot. And so, yeah, that, that made moving challenging because... Uh, you know, I could walk okay. Running was out of the the question. Yeah, you know, that wasn't gonna happen. Attempting a running step was not gonna work. But I've hiked before and I've hiked long distances. You know, I knew that from the year before. Uh, but the, you know, having to stop every couple minutes because I was in such pain that my stomach uh, felt like it was turning itself inside out was not was not real fun at that point in time. No, and it, and I think you know one of the things that I noticed was it was just. It was so unpredictable that you never knew how long it was going to last. Yeah, it wasn't. It yeah, like the whole thing was not. I didn't. I couldn't diagnose it, and I couldn't replicate it, or I couldn't do anything that would necessarily cause it. Running seemed to 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 instantly bring it on, but beyond that, you know, I couldn't. I couldn't wrap my head around it because I didn't know I couldn't make that pain occur on its own. It was just yeah. kind of coming and going. And I, I was like, I, I really don't know, you know, and yeah. you would just stop and then we'd go again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I had my head wrapped around it. It's stopping at some point. Right. So I just figured every time I could move, I'd move for as long as I could and just hope that that next time it wouldn't come back. I wouldn't feel it again. But we had made it, um, we had just crossed over the bridge that started turning us the other way. So we had made it maybe a mile. Yeah, just over a mile. And just over a mile. And you had said, where is that next bridge? And I was like, Sean, we just passed over the first bridge. <laughs> and you're like, that can't be. <laughs> <laughs> that can't be. I, I think, you know, I just had been moving so well and yeah, so consistently exactly. for so long that it was really hard to wrap my head around. Yeah, it was a complete, we it was a complete shell shock. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that's how I felt. It was not what I expected at all. Yeah. When I, when you left at 62. Yeah. You know? uh, it, it was definitely mentally challenging at that point too. It wasn't only mentally like Oh yeah, I mean obviously there was yeah. the physical aspect of it. But the the worst part was and I couldn't feel it necessarily at the time, but everything else was functioning well. Yeah. You know, well, everything you, else was where it needed to be. I mean, probably better than I should have expected it to yeah. be at that point. When you were so. moving, you were moving. Yeah. So we get, you know, I don't know, another mile or so and the crew is there and uh, unlike last year where the crew makes the call, I, I made the call this year. Mm-hmm. And I said, basically, I whether I expressed it or not, I or expressed it well, I don't know. Um, I did not want to do another 20-some-odd miles um, feeling like that, having to stop every few minutes to dry heave or throw up or, you know. Yeah. And the cold at that point was playing a factor because now I wasn't moving. Right. I had put my Houdini jacket over you at one point and within 20 minutes you forgot about it. Like, I mean, it was that kind of thing, 
you know, and we had done two and a half miles in 65 minutes. Oh my God. Hearing you that know? is brutal. I didn't realize it was that bad. <laughs> it was, it, well, it was the stopping. It wasn't the yeah. moving part that was slow. It was the stopping part that was slow. Yeah. I, it, it just, I knew moving at that pace for as long as I had to go uh, in the cold and not knowing what the injury was, I think was the hardest part mentally. I didn't know what it was. I couldn't diagnose it. And so at that point, uh, I thought, okay, I'm on, I'm on a, a fractured ankle here. I'm on a, you know, a, a possible break if I keep going. The pain's bad enough that <laughs> I have a life outside of ultramarathoning. Yeah, right. Like we said, this, this is a uh, low-risk race, yeah. not a high-risk race. Right. So pulling it there made the most sense, even though... Uh, in so many ways, I knew I had more to give. Um, it made the most sense to me. I just couldn't fathom uh, putting myself in a position where I injured myself and not being able to go to work or not being able to provide for my family or play with my kids. Yeah. So, And I don't know how you would have done that. I don't think I could have did 10 more miles with you in that condition. Yeah, <laughs> like, that would have been not fun. Like, have been. <laughs> well, I just don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I, I'm thinking we get two miles past here and because it's so unpredictable, what's going to happen? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think to, to some extent, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to go through it and, and God, I didn't want anyone else uh, on my side no. going through it. I think it, it was, and, but, but I've learned so much, <laughs> you know, like, but no, I don't know how you could have done it because I was physically feeling pain seeing what you're, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Well, dude. yeah, I'm, uh, you know, and I'm sitting there going, what, what do I have? pacers out here for when I, you know, this is going to be miserable for him. Like it's horrible. So did you, did you sleep the sleep of sleeps after that? Like, um, did you totally crash or, oh was I, it? you know, there's definitely some, some blank spots after that. I think we went back to the hotel. I slept for a little bit, definitely slept in a car ride on the way home. Definitely slept when I got home a little bit. Um, you know, and, and I started getting to the place where in my head I was saying, Maybe this thing wasn't that bad. Um, mm -hmm. It really sucks because, uh, you know, you start second-guessing everything, you yeah, know, and, I, right. and I was second-guessing myself and saying, you know, maybe this is nothing, and, and I put it in my own head. Mm -hmm. That's a sucky place to be, man, right. mentally. Especially with how much you put into it Yeah, yep. to just leave it. So you actually did what any red-blooded American male would do and went to the doctor. Well, okay, so <laughs> I didn't. I can't take credit for going to the doctor, right? I was ready to just say it was something that was in my head and I screwed myself out of this. Like, yeah. I, I somehow sabotaged myself mentally. Uh, so, yeah, I was not in a position where I wanted to go to the doctor, but my wife said, you know, there's Wait, something she was there there's something to this yeah, yeah let's let's figure this out and at that point i had swelling on my my ankle and i had a lump there and so it's it's hard to ignore physical signs you know that are there and it definitely still hurt you know it wasn't as bad as it was when i was moving during the race but it still hurt so i was like all right well let's okay i'll go to the doctor let's let's go to urgent care and figure this out so you know, we wait in urgent care a little bit. I get in, uh, the nurse looks at me. She said, you know, what caused this? What are you doing? Kind of gave her the lowdown. I was doing something stupid, like a hundred mile <laughs> race. And luckily her brother was an ultra marathoner. So it wasn't All like right. this giant shock. Right. And she looks at it. She touches it. She gets my blood pressure, you know, and she just goes, 
Uh, so yeah, I think this is a blood clot, and it was weird, <laughs> um, right? Like, what you know? Uh, so because I'm going in thinking you know fracture, stress fracture, sprain, mm-hmm. something, right? And she goes blood clot on me, which was a really weird thing. And so I said, okay, what does that mean? You, ha- you have my attention. Right, yeah, right. Because, yeah, blood clot's not something you really want to mess with, right? So I said, okay, what does that mean? She goes, well, it means you need to go either to the emergency room now, and at this point it was probably, I don't know, 5 o'clock on Sunday night, or you can see your primary care doctor tomorrow. And I said, you know, okay. Option B. Yeah, I'll wait and see my primary care. You know, I didn't emergency room's not a whole lot of fun especially on a sunday night no, you get sicker sitting in an emergency yeah, room. so i wasn't gonna do that so i uh, got to see my primary care doctor the the day after um they said yeah i'm her diagnosis seems um strange but accurate um basically combination of being dehydrated from the race and they were saying any kind of you know minor injury so you know, stepping off the trail wrong at one point, you know, a minor thing that normally wouldn't cause an issue paired with the dehydration and, in an extremity yeah. uh, can cause this. And 18 hours on feet. Right, sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. On, on unlevel, uneven ground, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So wow. uh, I went and got um, a sonogram done, I guess. So basically, uh, you know, they checked all the veins in my legs and found out that basically... Uh, I did have a blood clot in a kind of secondary uh, vein in my ankle. It was not a vein in which the blood clot could travel. Apparently, they have these yeah. veins have like filters in them to stop blood clots from traveling. And wow. uh, and so they said it's non it's a non risk. It's not life threatening. It's not a big deal. It's not something that you really even need to take blood thinners or anything for. Because it's uh, it's not something that's at risk, uh, but it's not something that's good. Either. So, like, <laughs> hydrate and dilute it? Is that, like, what you do? Yeah, basically. So, I mean, you know, normal hydration stuff, but heat, you know, and elevate and some of that normal stuff as well. And, you know, fairly quickly, the the uh, swelling starts subsiding, the pain starts subsiding and wow. things in there. So That's unexpected yeah it was weird so so the first thing i think afterwards i came home and i looked at my wife and i said uh you know now i'm kind of pissed it wasn't life-threatening and (laughs) right and so i really well i didn't think about that statement right but but she looked at me and and went really and then i thought about the statement i said okay that was a really dumb thing to say right but but um I could have did more. Right, yeah, there was so much There's left no, out there. Dude. <laughs> there wasn't at the time. I know that. There was you know, not. But and, uh yeah. but man, physically everything else felt so right that, that well, uh, it's gonna click for you uh next year. Yeah, we're definitely back for next year, <laughs> man. There uh, again, there wasn't a moment that oh, uh, I love that. There wasn't a moment oh, my afterwards that I didn't say I'll be back again. So yeah. But now uh, my wife is insistent that I maybe do the summer beast of burden so that I uh, and ready. This is how crazy um, my wife has adapted to this lifestyle. She said, why don't we get a quote unquote easy hundred miler in so that you can do the, the winter beast? Well, you've done 52 miles in 95 degree heat. Yeah. Now, do you still get the double beast if you do them summer then winter? No. Yeah. You have to do them in the same year. You have to do so. winter and then summer. Right. So I would have to do. So you'd be signing up for three. Right. 
Ugh. Right now, I'm I'm potentially putting three. Does um, that mean you're not going back to Twisted Branch then? I had already uh, sort of decided that. Decided, yeah. Right after Twisted Branch, I loved it. Don't get me wrong, I yep. did enjoy oh, no. it. Um, but I didn't feel a need to go back this year. Yeah. Um, if I go back, it'll be in the capacity of pacing someone yeah. or giving back well, to that race. It seems like my pacer may be running the race. Yeah. So. You know, I, I got 25 miles for you. I've got, uh, I've got, I've, I've promised Dan Lapata some miles, so yeah, I'm going to give him go. some miles. Um, but oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. I, I saw that. I yeah. can see myself giving back to that race in a lot of ways and someday I may race it again. Um, but it was the right race at the right time for me and I don't need it again immediately. So, so. you're going to do Tammany, Cayuga, Summer Beast. So, uh, Tammany, um, Mind the ducks. Oh, jeez, that's uh, right. I <laughs> Cayuga, uh, probably something somewhere. I, my wife's been looking somewhere Montana, Colorado ish for midsummer, and then or early summer rather, and then uh, and then summer, you know, pacing at at uh, at Twisted Branch, and then yeah, yeah, uh, summer beast as and. Easy 100 miler. Easy 100 miler. <laughs> Just exposed heat, flat, no elevation. Yeah. You know the course. And then I'll, I'll get some, some other things in at the end of the year, too. I think this is the year of racing for me. The year of racing. Go smooth, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, you got anything else you want to, talk to chat, chat about? Tammany real quick, man, because this yeah, is a cool thing. Let's get into Tammany, then. Just real quick. Because I'm scared of it, so. um, Man, I don't know. I love it, right? It's loops. It's really dumb. It's four mile loop. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Four mile but loop. now you talked about an up and a down. Right. Yeah. So, you're you're up for two and down for two basically. I mean wow. almost on the nose. And you're doing wow. Okay. So five hundred up, five hundred down? Or uh, a no, thousand up. A thousand up, a thousand down every A thousand time. up in two miles. Which is the great part, right? Because um you know, you, you did it during during Twisted Branch, but one of my favorite things is going down to high tour and just doing that that uh, yep. that gully climb. And that's uh, that's a thousand feet in one mile, right? So yep. somehow in my twisted head, I've got it's easy. Yeah, two miles for a thousand feet. That's that's Just cake, do it ten right? times. Ten times, right? <laughs> <laughs> ten times is a wild thing. You better be doing some squats, getting those quads going. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I got to do some serious hill work. Um, and then we're gonna get, you know, my daughter and I, we're gonna get out. And we're gonna do a lot of stair work. We're gonna go over to Roberts uh, Westland College and do a lot of work on the the. Uh, in the stadium oh, in there. the stadium. Yeah, we just go up and down the stairs for a few I got, hours. So. I got to do that for Cayuga. Well, that's why. I figured it's good double training. It'll get me yeah. ready for Tammany and it'll get me ready for Cayuga. I didn't think about using Robert's stairs. Um, use the outdoor right yeah. By, yeah, outside we, the uh, track. Yeah, we do track workouts and then we'll do an hour or so on the stairs. We've done that for a couple of years now and it's good training. Yeah, so. I got to do stairs for Cayuga. Well, Westside, we don't have a lot of climbing opportunities, no. so you got to get creative. Yeah, well, I, and stairs specifically... Yeah. Impact something. There are four stairs outside of Blue Cross, six stairs outside of Blue Cross Arena downtown. Yeah, I can't run up those stairs after <laughs> like a six mile run. My knees hurt. So like something about me and stairs, I have to get well, over. Well, you're gonna have fun at Cayuga then, my That's friend. That's why I gotta get my <laughs> act together. Yeah, Cayuga should be awesome this year. I'm, I'm, I've it's, been at the aid station every year for that yeah. race. Every year since it's, uh, since its inception, yeah. and I remember when. Ian announced that race the first year I looked at it and I was like, Oh my God, this is beautiful. It's yeah. awesome. 
it's way out of my league. Uh, so I did the aid oh, station. Wow. I've done the aid station at Buttermilk Falls every year. And yep. so the, uh, the Trails Rock. I hope we have a Trails Rock. I'm relying on the Trails Rock aid it station like this year. There's, I mean, again, the community picks up the, the mantle um, yep. with so many people racing it. I was like, who's going to be there to yeah. run? This year, is, uh, I think the the hubbub has transferred from Twisted Branch to Cayuga yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of energy around that race. It should be phenomenal. It's such a who fun else is, race. Who else anyway. is going to Tammany? Uh, Christine Reynolds is the only kind of local runner that I know of that's doing Tammany right now. Uh, I tried to rope some other people into it, but <laughs> it's a little, I don't know, maybe too dumb for most people. So I was really hoping Valone would, would yeah. join me for it. Uh, you know? He's been reading books lately. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, reading books ain't good for you. You gotta, you gotta stay dumb. And now you know the rest of the story. Hold for laughter. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, uh, dude can run, and dude has guts, and dude is gonna slay the beast. I know it. If you're interested in some of the things that Sean mentioned, check out the show notes at www.runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash podcast slash zero two three. Sean mentioned a lot of people in this episode, and I've linked to those uh, people who actually were on the podcast previously and have episodes. So check that out at the bottom of the show notes. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, please tell your friends. Uh, this show doesn't exist without runners and people who like to hear running stories. So thank you all for listening and sharing your stories. Um, if you'd like to support the show financially, check out the support the show page at the website. Uh, regarding supporters, I want to take a minute to thank this month's Patreon supporters, Matt Bertrand, Jeff Green, Michael Valone, Mike Murtock, Ron Harkins Jr., and... Anonymous. Oh, thank you so much. You are ensuring that the show will continue forever and ever and always. Uh, our first birthday is coming up, which means our hosting bills will be due, and your contributions will make that just so much easier. Uh, and also, thank you for letting me bounce ideas off you in the Patreon Slack channel. Uh, your feedback is super helpful. Speaking of first birthday, man. Do I have some fun ideas brewing and probably some harebrained ideas. So expect me to uh, throw some more wacky thoughts into that uh, Slack channel there. Um, And hey, uh, for you not in the Slack channel or wondering what a Slack channel is, um, become a Patreon supporter and you can find out all about it. Lastly, if you want to get in touch with me, have something to share, want to be on the show, or know someone who should be on the show, feel free to use the feedback form on the website. Um, But most importantly, get out, run, and create some stories. And with that, be thankful for what you've been given, be proud of what you've achieved, and let go of what you lost. See you out there.